and welcome back to the She Worth podcast. On today's episode, Kim and Laura are talking all about ocean personalities. So ocean personalities, just a quick little rundown, is a scientific tool created to understand personalities. So it's a test and it measures your personality in five different sectors. So there's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion versus introversion, uh, agreeableness or disagreeableness, and neuroticism. So personally, I score really, really high in conscientiousness, um, as Laura will tell you later. And knowing this, it helps me realize my little tendencies to like, because I'm really high in conscientiousness, I work really well and like, I communicate well and things like that, but I sometimes have a hard time Hello, everybody in SheWorth world. It's Lara Smith here, the co-founder of SheWorth. And we have my partner and bestie, Kim Mueller, brilliant psychologist and co-founder of SheWorth this morning. Hi, Kim. Good morning, Lara. How are you? All is great. This yes. is such an exciting topic. And I would say um, the topic of ocean is one of the foundational elements to the origins of what started SheWorth. Um, way back, I guess, three, four years ago, um, as I've been very public about sharing my personal story of getting out of an abusive relationship and in sharing what I'd gone through with Kim, the first thing Kim asked me was, Lara, have you taken the Ocean Big Five personality test? Do you know how you score? I was intrigued. I said, no, I went away to take it. And the outcome of the results of that assessment was groundbreaking, changed my life and was so instrumental in my healing. So Kim, talk to us about ocean. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's such a good story. And it's so exciting when someone hasn't heard of ocean for me to get the privilege to be able to introduce it to them. Because what Ocean is, is essentially a personality assessment tool, right? And there's a lot of assessment tools out there. For example, my husband just got one now because he's starting a new job and it's, you know, they want to assess your personality. His is in more regards to sales. What type of salesperson is he going to be? There's the Myers-Briggs, which a lot of people have heard about where you get your IJN. I'm not entirely sure what the letters are, but Ocean um, is an acronym and we'll explain what each of the letters um, stands for. And the thing I love about Ocean is a couple of things. Number one, it's the most academically accepted measure of personality. Um, if you're looking through the research literature, this is pretty much the gold standard because it's been so cross-validated across cultures, across people to show that, yeah, this stands the test of time. We're measuring personality here. If we have an idea of where somebody falls on ocean plus IQ, general level of intelligence, we have a pretty good idea of who it is that um, we're dealing with. Um, it's just concise and easy to understand, right? It's not 25 pages and all these results that you have to interpret. It's like, okay, I can understand that. Each of these um, 
personality traits falls on a spectrum from low, moderate, high. Um, it's just super easy. So I loved when I got to introduce it to you and you, you walked away and you took it. And it was like ever since then, we continue to have the conversation about ocean. And that's why we knew we had to make it a pillar in our SheWork um, movement, because if it keeps coming up in conversations between you and I three, four years later, it's like, okay, there's got to be something there. So, so that's ocean. And, um, and I think the reason it ties into she work is that self-awareness and self-acceptance is the key to feeling worthy, right? And so ocean is just another tool to help us understand and ultimately accept ourselves because there may be something on there that we may be like, ugh, I don't love that, right? Like that I'd say a little high in disagreeableness or a little low in agreeableness or a little high in neuroticism. It's like, you know, but it's like that's part of the step towards acceptance. And that ultimately leads to, you know, in spite of all of this, um, I'm intrinsically worthy just for being, you know, the makeup that I am. So that's ocean. And um, yeah, I think this self-awareness leads to relational awareness. And one of the other pillars of SheWorth is just how important, I mean, it's our life, right? Relationships, you know, unless we're a hermit, um, you know, our romantic, our friendship, our career. And so this tool is a superpower um, in terms of understanding our relationships and our life too. So it kind of hits all the buttons about why it's so intrinsic to SheWorth. Um, I love what you described. I'm going to reiterate how easy this is to understand and grasp for ourselves. And that's why we do these things for ourselves, truly. It's five letters. The concept is so easy. I've taken 10 different assessments over the course of my career and my life. I don't remember a single one of them. I talk (laughs) all the time about particular traits that I have as it relates to the relationships with my children. I've had them take the test. You know, my closest friends are all Imagine being the age that we are and nobody's heard of it. And so many people have been impacted in our world and our SheWorth community by understanding these things. So would love to get into what each of these mean. What are the different five uh, letters described? Yeah. So again, it's ocean um, and O stands for openness to experience. C is conscientiousness. E is extroversion. A is agreeableness and N is neuroticism. Um, as I described, each of them falls on a spectrum from low, moderate, high, zero to 100%, however you want to um, understand that. And I also forgot to mention for those of us who are very interested in sort of the science and the evidence-based aspect of, um, of things that we choose to implement in our lives, is that Ocean as a tool was really solidified as legitimate in around the 60s um, at the University of Minnesota. There were studies done on monozygotic twins, so identical twins who were separated at birth. And what they found was a, a correlation coefficient, which means how much of the variance is accounted for by chance and how much is it um, actually due to, you know, the biological factors. It was 0.6, which is almost unheard of in scientific research to have that high of a correlation coefficient. So what we found was the twins who were separated at birth, their personality traits were almost the exact same, even though they were raised in completely different environments where one would think, Oh, I'm raised by conscientious parents. Maybe I'll be more conscientious, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really profound breakthrough and just sort of solidified it in the scientific community. 
but fast forward now, we're still using it, obviously. And openness is the first one. And that is sort of how, how open-minded are we? How are we, um, how open are we to thinking about new ideas and experiences? Do we like to go to different restaurants? Do we like to go to the same restaurant? We're very much a seeker and a learner. We have a sense of curiosity about like, we're probably the type of person who'd be more prone to try a new supplement or maybe, um, you know, go to an exotic country. We wouldn't want to go. And it's, it's about creativity, right? A lot of artsy types of people are very open, open um, to experience. So, so that's, openness um it's the only potential concern if we are very very open is we could sort of be gullible at times to things because we're so open-minded we might fall prey um versus a less open person is very skeptical and very routine driven and um likes predictability and structure and that kind of thing um so so that's openness the next so one on go ahead openness i love how you described potentially being gullible so is the High openness person who's strolling around Cabo San Lucas, are they more likely to fall into a meeting to go look at a timeshare and think it's the best thing and then <laughs> get maybe sucked into buying something they're not ready for? So is it something to consider just to do a little bit more diligence? If you're high openness, just make sure you've got someone in your life that can kind of be a sounding board before you make kind of um, rash decisions. Totally. I would say openness combined with high neuroticism, which we'll get to in the end, would be more prone to sort of that impulsivity. Um, that's more neuroticism. But the openness of, ooh, that sounds like a great deal, that timeshare, for sure. Again, it's something to be aware of. And like you mentioned, just have someone in your life that you can run these ideas by before you um, fall victim to them in some ways, you know, Um, but we need open people. We need creativity. We need people who are willing to sort of think outside the box and, um, you know, try, try that, that's, you know, new spicy food or whatever it is. Right. So, so again, so that is openness. And the next one C is conscientiousness. This is one of my favorite um, traits as if you can have a favorite trait. Um, and <laughs> conscientiousness is how driven to do your best, how goal oriented are you? So people who are very high in conscientiousness, um, they really want to um, do a good job in work. They want to be get things done on time. They want to um, put in 100% effort. And they're, it's the greatest predictor of success in the workplace and in long-term um, romantic relationships. Um, so really, it's a sense of, you know, when you have that child who just, you don't even have to bother about getting their homework done or um, <laughs> turning things in on time. It's sort of just intrinsic to who they are. That's a child that's who, who's high in conscientiousness, right? It's just, it's part of their DNA, right? They're very driven um, to do that. Um, people are lower in conscientiousness. They have more of a tendency to procrastinate, um, to be in this, what I call the, ah, it's good enough. You know what I mean? They're not very driven to... Um, be on time or, you know, goal oriented, they're kind of just more relaxed, you know? And so again, this is on a spectrum, it's not good or bad, but um, it's sometimes very hard for a high conscientious person to understand a low conscientious person. (laughs) Um, So it's, that's conscientiousness. I don't know, Lara, I think we've talked about this one so much. What comes to mind um, when thinking about conscientiousness for you? You know, I love this trait as much as you do. It's how we evaluate people when we hire them, when we're running businesses as bosses. It's um, 
super helpful to understand. I think where it can trip people up if you're very high, failure is not an option. And you can get a little bit kind of stressed or anxiety if things aren't going your way because you're not used to failing. And you need to just understand how to balance that. I think how it tripped me up in my marriage, I knew it was horrible. I knew it wasn't right for me, but the thought of failing at it, I was going to somehow succeed. I was going to change this person. I was going to, it wasn't an option for my marriage to fail. So had I understood how high conscientiousness I was at the time, which I didn't, I think I stayed in the marriage way longer than I should have. I could have cut bait sooner had I understand understood this particular personality trait inside of me. Wow, that's so interesting because I see that that just brought to mind so many of my clients' struggles who are high, say, in conscientiousness. They have such, they think they're going to change others or change the situations in a workplace, for example, or in um, a neighborhood condo development. Like I've seen that, they're just so frustrated, right? Because they're so high conscientious, they think everybody should be operating that way. And it's like, it causes them a great deal of suffering because they can't yeah. change the situation. It's really about, they have to change themselves or get themselves out of the situation. Like you're alluding to, um, it certainly can cause a lot of strife. And when we can realize that, like, you know, these people that we're dealing with, they're not, they're not as high as we are. So I need to stop trying to change them and pivot my own life and create my own personal utopia, you know, based on right. what's going to work for me. Yeah. That's such a great point. I see that all the time, you know, uh, uh, or even in the COVID times, right? Like a lack of acceptance that others don't view vaccines or masks or whatever, you know, the hot topics are, it's like, they are just so their quality of life is impacted because they just cannot understand that others might view things differently, you know? And, um, I think that it's powerful to realize like they're just on a different part of the bell curve than we are perhaps in conscientiousness, you know, that's where the sandpaper happens, right? Because it's helped me so much. And I've just stopped worrying about, I worry about what I can control. And I have either, you know, at times with my oldest son, we could get into a lot of conflict if if I don't just embrace exactly who he is and he's going to get it down on his own timelines. I can't control the situation and it has stopped the conflict. So wow. we think it's all good, but sometimes it can trip us up. So it's just good to understand where you fall and how it can impact relationships. Yeah, where we fall as well as the people we're in relationship to, right? Um, so that's, uh, conscientiousness. The next is E extroversion. I think we're all quite aware of what extroversion means, which is how much energy do we get from being with others? Does it deplete us or does it energize us? A true extrovert loves to be with people and gets energized by it. A true introvert, um, gets energized by alone time. Right. Um, so, and it can be on a spectrum. We can be an extroverted introvert or whatever we want to call it, but, um, it really is just assessing your own needs and making sure that you're not overextending yourself because as somebody like personally, I identify more as an introvert, but I have a very, um, I'm with people all the time and I love my job as a psychologist, but that requires a great deal of, for lack of a better term, self-care or, um, downtime to recover. It's the recovery period, which is, I need to go inward and, you know, and just have that time to re-energize myself so that I can show up because I, I, I can have that extroverted side of me, but 
if I push, 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 it's going to be too much, you know? And so we can't fight nature. (laughs) I can't pretend I'm a true, true extrovert and can just give, give, give and get so energized by it without that recovery period. Um, yeah, I hear you. I am also falling similar to where you do in terms of being an introvert, but luckily I have amazing people in my life who know that about me and will pull me out. And every time someone pulls me out for a walk, go to a patio, I always end up loving it. But I surround myself with amazing people who we know each other, we accept each other for all of the good and bad. And if I didn't have that in my life and have that true acceptance of each other, of, of the people that we're closest to, it wouldn't work as well because people would get frustrated with introverts. Why don't you want to go out? What do you mean you don't want to go to a party with 500 people that you don't know? I mean, come on, what could be worse? Like just throw me into um, the forest with some grizzly bears. I'd prefer that sometimes. It's, it's just, it's the awareness that is so much power, right? Yes. And, and that's what I always say to my clients too. You know, it's the awareness is like 50% of the battle, right? It, it, okay. Mm-hmm. Then we have the strategies and the, and you know, the things we are, the action items that we need to do, but the actual awareness and the breakthroughs around it, then we start to have the confirmation of that awareness. And it's just, it, it is half the battle, you know? It's, mm-hmm. And so I, I love that. And, um, I think it's also important to mention that when there's a difference in a romantic partnership between introversion and extroversion, that can cause a lot of um, struggle sometimes. So it is important when we're assessing potential mates um, to look at this aspect of our personalities, right? And if there is that differential, as long as there's acceptance by both parties, I'm not trying to make you an extrovert and I'm not trying to make you an introvert, then it can work. But it is important. Um, I, I think it's important to assess all of these traits and potential mates, to be honest. So give them motion before you go on the first date or at least by the second date. <laughs> uh, yeah. Boy, I could have avoided a lot of problems. <laughs> so now we're at A, which is agreeableness, which is another one of our absolute favorites here um, at SheWork, which is um, how agreeable are we, right? How much do we want to please others? People pleasing comes to mind when we think of agreeableness, conflict avoidant, um, not wanting to ruffle feathers, just wanting to get along, um, sort of putting other people before ourselves, valuing their opinions more than we do our own. Um, and a more disagreeable is somebody who does not mind conflict, um, who likes to have the last word and be right and um, can be very um, sort of, dogmatic in their opinions, right? So disagreeable versus agreeable. As a gender, women tend to score high and agreeable, higher in agreeableness um, than men do. And it's, it's one of the most important indicators that we have found in people who may struggle with their self-worth. They tend to score a bit higher in agreeableness. Again, it's because they, they value others before their own. They may think that Um, They can't trust their own opinions or their own beliefs, or they're afraid to stand up for what they believe in. So agreeableness is something to be very mindful of um, in any relationships, because if that's our nature and it's like, we don't mind, but at a certain point, sometimes we can build resentment when we're always agreeing, we're always putting in more effort than the other person into a relationship. I hear this a lot in my practice with um, like female friendships. Um, the more agreeable one is often, you know, sending the skip the dishes when they know the other person is struggling and, um, setting up the wine nights and that kind of thing without 
of reciprocity. And then they start to build resentment, right? They truly, their nature is to want to do this, you know, in a relationship, but when it doesn't come back, then they start to feel they struggle. Right. And so it's like, why are we being so agreeable? We're overextending ourselves. We're wanting people to like us so much that we're willing to, um, you know, put other people before ourselves. So this is agreeableness. And, um, I know Lara, this was one thing that, um, you, you know, you found interesting in your ocean taking experience. <laughs> you know, in my relationship, for sure, it impacted and it was so eye-opening in my complete, I was not capable of saying no or standing up for myself. And I was like an air traffic controller trying to avoid the crash every day. So I would just, yes, 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 whatever you need, what can I do for you? So that certainly impacted the relationship. At the same time, as it relates to life, when the kids' school needed something, when a friend needed something, when I needed to drive to see my family, when I was being asked to participate in events or go to events, I couldn't say no. And I just wanted to make everyone feel great and say yes to everything. And then the 10th yes, I would snap. I just, like, I'd feel resentful for the, the nine yeses before then. And then I would snap, shut it all down. And I didn't realize how agreeable I was. So it was my personal relationship externally at work in my community. I just, I was incapable of saying no and, and just felt terrible about disappointing people. So it's been muscle memory to try and work up to stand up for myself. And you've helped me with the five phrases. I would really love to do that. I just can't fit that in this week. Keep in, keep me in mind for next time. I have these go-to strategies and I feel fine about it now. So even though it's in my wiring to be agreeable, I know how to say no. I know how to stand up for myself now. It's It wasn't natural, but it's become much easier. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So many women can relate to that. Um, the final trait is neuroticism. Um, and neuroticism, it kind of sounds like a scary word, but um, it sort of just stands for emotional stability. So how stable are we in the face of stressful life events? Um, so if I get an email, am I more reactive or am I calm, steady, eddy, right? So neurotic people higher in neuroticism um, are more prone to emotional decision-making, impulsivity, um, being reactive um, when things don't go their way, catastrophizing, make a bigger deal, personalizing, thinking people don't like us versus lower neuroticism, calm, steady, eddy, very stable, right? And so we're on a spectrum. This is the other personality trait where there is a gender difference in that women do tend to score a bit higher in neuroticism than men. Not all the time. Obviously, you can't say that for everything, but um, this is this is part of it. And I actually do see this a lot in my practice where I get the opportunity to see both the husband and the wife, for example. Um, I can see uh, the gender difference on display a lot of the time, not always, um, but it, it helps even to explain it to the husbands sometimes to say, we're a little bit more prone to um, taking things and catastrophizing them or making a bigger deal about them than they are. I'm going to calm down, but my initial reaction might be um, a little bit stronger. So just, just hold the space. I'll come back down, but this is something that I'm working on and I'm aware of. Um, and we use this little phrase for neuroticism. They're more likely to, um, to celebrate and medicate, right. To be, to be super happy when things go well and to be super down and want to, 
drink or you know, take drugs when things go bad. Um, so that's a more, and we have to be aware of that in our um, personality because those can be risk-taking behaviors as well. Oh, completely. I think thankfully with all of my other issues around high agreeable and high conscientious that trip me up being low in neuroticism, just stuff can come at me, some really bad stuff. And I can just be like, well, no one's dying on the operating table today. And I just somehow can process it. Thankfully, I, I don't know where I'd be right now. If I was super high neuroticism, I'd be in a I think- jacket. <laughs> exactly no I think I think you're absolutely right Lara that that part of your personality I see it you know being in a friendship with you and 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 founding she works with you it's you are low neuroticism you are steady Eddie and it's remarkable and I tend to score a little bit higher in neuroticism and I can see like I have examples you know um, personally and professionally where it hasn't served me but I'm learning (laughs) and I think that's the whole point (laughs) yes you know it doesn't mean we're always going to get it right but it's like okay, I have to be aware of this because it's, you know, my nature is to maybe be a little bit more impacted by things. And, um, and I think it's, yeah, that self-awareness is just a piece of it. And again, if we see that in our partners, I think it can be helpful because maybe we can be a little bit more patient with them as they go through their episodes, but if it's taking its toll and they're not actually trying to work on that and learn from it, then it's another, it's another situation that we have to assess. Right. So, um, so that is ocean. Um, I think that it's, it's a fun, I loved what you said earlier, which was like, you don't remember the other 20 personality tests that you've taken. (laughs) Yeah. This is the one that sticks because it's relatable and it's applicable in our everyday life in all the things we do relationships, career, the magic question, can romantic partners come together and have a successful relationship if they are on the opposite sides of the spectrum <laughs> on four or five of these, these, these personality traits, like just straight up. Straight up. <sighs> you know, as a scientist, I would never say yes or no, but off the record, I think it's really hard. If yes. you're super far apart, you know, one or two, like my, you know, my husband and I are, um, we're, yeah, it's, it's tough. If you have to, it's going to be a tough relationship. That's yeah. all I got to say. So I, it's worth assessing. <laughs> totally. I, the thing with this assessment or, or test, it resonates with all ages. As soon as you explain it to them, the way you do, it just completely clicks and our, brilliant, high conscientious intern, Michaela said something so interesting. As soon as she took it, she was obsessed with it. She's like, Oh my gosh, I had my boyfriend take it right away. And I, we were joking around any future relationships we have, like, as you said, this is second date material. You're awesome. (laughs) Don't waste each other's time. We might as well know where we stack up. Right. Yeah. This is second date material. This is before I hire you material. This right. is um, understanding my children material. I mean, I don't know that we have it validated for children, but if you just understand them, you can just uh, subjectively yeah. assess your child about where they fall on most of these traits. Right. I've, I've got a disagreeable and that's very obvious from a very young age. You know, So I didn't need to give them the actual <laughs> test to, to be able to figure that out, you know, but, but it helps uh, them give them we can give people what they need. Our children aren't leaving our lives. So we can butt up against it every day, or we can understand them so well that we can just manage the relationship to give them what they need. 
on any yeah. given day. That's right? it. That's it. I love that. It's, it's absolutely true. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it just, it filters into every aspect of our lives from a relational perspective. So I would say take ocean. If you haven't, it's free on our website. It's, um, it's very easy to understand. And I would say, you know, most of these times when we take these assessments, we sort of look at them for, you know, 30 seconds and then we move on. But because this one is so easy, I really would love to suggest that you actually take the time to learn the five traits mm-hmm. and observe them as they're happening in your life and why they might be causing conflict and how you can sort of be aware of them. And, um, you know, like Lara said with her agreeableness, or like I said, maybe with my little bit of neuroticism, it's like, okay, these are all opportunities to practice every time, right. you know, something comes in that might challenge this aspect of our personality. It's just an opportunity to practice it and an opportunity to have compassion for others who may not be like us. Right. It's like, it takes all kinds in the world. We've got to fill out the bell curve. We can't all be a hundred percentile conscientiousness. So let's have a little grace and acceptance for other people who may not score the same that we do. Amen. (laughs) Every time we talk about this, I just love it so much. I learn a little bit more each time. So thank you, Kim, for enlightening us on this topic today. Love it. Yes. Check out our website, sheworth.org. Take the test. It takes less than five minutes and um, learn more about your personality. All right. Thanks, Lara. Thank you. Bye-bye. What an episode. I know I learned so much and I work with these people every single day. So super cool. You can find all the details for the ocean personality test on our website and tons of information around it and understanding your personality. So head to www.sheerworth.org and take the ocean personality test. It will help you in so many areas of your life. And we hope you have a great rest of your week, a great day. And remember, you are worthy.